Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. In times of ease and in times of turmoil, it is both our prayer and our confession, and it comes from the very first verse of Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence, from him comes my salvation. That verse is an affirmation of the hope that comes to us from God and God alone. And it's the subject of today's message, which is entitled, For God Alone Our Soul Waits, and begins with some thoughts on what it is that we hope for. It was the great theologian, author, preacher, uh, adopted Vermonter Frederick Beekner, who said it, If preachers decide to preach about hope, let them preach out of what they themselves hope for. I have always loved that quote. I first heard it years ago. But it's a quote that, of course, begs the question, what is it that preachers hope for? Now, being one of those myself, I can vouch for the fact, as Beatner goes on to suggest, that preachers hope that the words of their sermon may bring some understanding and wholeness to the hearts of the people who hear them and to their own hearts. They hope, Beatner goes on, that the public prayers they pray may be heard and answered, and they hope the same for the private prayers of the congregation. What's more, I, I can add here that we hope that for all our verbal and theological stumbling, what we do here every Sunday morning may somehow be acceptable in the sight of the one in whose name it is offered, and that the sacraments we celebrate together as the church might be more than merely tradition, more than ritual, and in fact be filled with God's own presence. All of that is true. Mostly, however, what I would say that preachers hope for are mostly the same things I suspect that we're all hoping for when we come and worship on a Sunday morning. We hope for our lives to be imbued with a deeper sense of meaning and purpose. We hope for mercy in the face of all of our shortcomings as well as in the assurance that of forgiveness, we can start the journey of life anew. For strength in the time of struggle, for peace when everything within us and around us in turmoil, and might I add here in these continuing days of pandemic, for healing, for true wholeness, for God's whole peace, his shalom. And moreover, we pray and hope for joy to permeate every experience of our day-to-day -day lives, right? Even the difficult and tragic moments that come to us all. That perhaps, even in the darkest nights of the soul, there will be that comfort that brings joy with the light of the morning. As I say, these are hopes we all share. I seek to, to convey them by my words in whatever pulpit I happen to have at my disposal on a given day. 
and you lift them up in and through your worship and your prayer. We bring them here because we know deep down that the fulfillment of our hope is not going to be found in the material things of this world, nor in its power or prestige or even in earthly wisdom. But our hope comes from God alone, who is, as the psalmist has proclaimed it for us in our text for this morning, our rock and our salvation, our fortress. We have a running joke uh, in our family that whenever we order Chinese food, everyone already knows what's going to be printed on the little slip of paper in my fortune cookie. I always know what my fortune is going to be because it's the same one no matter how many fortune cookies I crack open. The, the fortune is always this. You will be filthy, stinking rich. Now, alas, that hasn't come to pass yet. But we laugh about that in our house, even as my wife and adult children roll their eyes at me for doing the same old shtick again and again. In fact, one night over the holidays, we ordered Chinese food, and as my hand reached for the fortune cookie, Lisa immediately looked to me and said, don't even bother. So, you know, that's... What, what we do. But the truth is, is when I really stop to think about what my ideal fortune actually is, it's not to be filthy, stinking rich. Now, yes, like all of us, I wouldn't mind being a little more financially secure, especially as, as uh, retirement is approaching down the line a ways. But honestly, friends, when I think about fortune, what comes to my mind first are things like, well, my children all being healthy and happy and comfortable with who they are. That they be blessed with laughter and, and love and something in their lives that they are truly passionate about. And that we might, all of us, live together in a peaceful world in which all people are being treated with dignity and compassion. Now, you may accuse me of being overly idealistic if you want. You can even dismiss it as the warm and fuzzy ramblings of this card-carrying dad joke aficionado father. But I have to say that more and more as time goes on, as I get older, I come to realize again and again that once everything else we seek and aspire to in this life has been sifted, through the realities of this world and the utter frailty of human existence, the most fervent hope any of us can ever have is simply for life, life itself, true life, full and rich and meaningful. And that kind of life, as with hope itself, comes from God and God alone. Now, the 62nd Psalm from which we read this morning is a song of confidence and hope in God that prevails over even the worst of what life can dish out. Did you notice today as I read this psalm that God is repeatedly described here as a rock, a salvation, a fortress, 
and a mighty rock that can't be shaken? What comes through very clear here, and I think it's the reason for the Salahs, actually, is that whether it's the ground of life that's shifting beneath our feet, as it always seems to be doing, or if it's the experience of being assailed by our enemies, God, God will be there as our refuge and our protection. Anything else we might look to for our protection, you know, fame, money, power, on and on, these things are ultimately perishable. How is it that the psalmist puts it? I love uh, the New International Version translation of this. Uh, It says, If weighed on a balance, all these other things, they're nothing. (laughs) Or how about this from the message? I love this. Put them together, they're nothing. And two times nothing is still nothing. God, though, God is eternal. Once God has spoken twice, I have heard this, the psalmist sings. That power belongs to God. That steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord. Now, by the same token, though, there is also a sense in this psalm that this strength and this love, it comes as a direct result of our trust. In other words, how can we know the solidity of the rock, if we are unwilling to cling to it when the ground below is shaking? How can God be a refuge for us if we will not pour out our fearful hearts before him? It's no accident that at the end of this song that proclaims God's fidelity to us, there's a single verse that serves both as an affirmation and a warning. For you repay to all according to their work. Now don't misunderstand that verse. We're not talking here about faith by works. That is, God's favor coming to us as a result of the abundance of good things we do. Or, uh, if more to put a finer point on it, it's not dependent on how good we try to be. But there is for us in this verse an admonition that just as God is true to us in all things, it falls to us, to you and to me, to be true to God as well. I'm reminded here of an old story about a man who is in the midst of his morning run on a trail that goes along the side of a very steep ledge. And and as he's on this run, he stumbled and slipped and went tumbling down over the ledge. Now, however, as this man was falling, he did manage somehow to grab a branch that was growing out of the ledge. So he's hanging on for dear life, and he's safe for the moment. But the man knew that he was very much in trouble, and there was no way he was going to be able to climb up the ledge to safety. And as he looked down, it was a long, long way down. So he did what any one of us would have done in that circumstances. He cried out for help. Is there anybody up there? Didn't use his hand. He was hanging on. Is there anyone up there? And there was nothing but silence at first. But as he kept calling and and after what seemed like forever, he hears this voice above him. Joe, the voice said, I'm here. 
it's the Lord, Joe, and I am going to help you. I'm going to get you out of this, Joe, and all you have to do is let go of the branch. And there's another long silence. And then Joe starts shouting, Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Where the Lord is concerned, you see. There are so many of us who are just simply unwilling to let go of the branch, whatever it happens to be. We are far more willing to place our hope and confidence on transient scheme and worldly pipe dreams than we are to fully rely on God's steadfast love and God's unending strength. Perhaps this is why the psalmist was very specific in saying, Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. You know, it's not so much accusing us of thievery, mind you, as it is to remind us just how easily we will go for the quick fix and the easy answer than on setting our hopes on that which can make us truly rich. And by the way, if you don't believe something like that happens today, that that's just something locked in biblical times, I wonder just how many out there went out to buy a ticket or a whole lot of tickets on that billion-dollar lottery payoff this week. If you happen to be in Michigan this week, you might have gotten lucky. Otherwise, well... So the question is then, lottery stuff aside, do we really trust God or do we prefer to gamble on the next big payoff to come along? Can we honestly pour our hearts before God and let what's important to God be important to us? To live our lives passionately for the sake of, of what God is passionate about? To live life this way requires a shift of priorities, to be sure. It, it, it means putting all the stuff of human life and living in its proper context, not as the end-all, be-all of our lives, but as tools of the life that God wants us to live. It requires from us a different kind of attitude. But if we can do that, if we can make that shift, if we can place our trust in God alone, we are promised love and strength unlike anything else the world can provide. Our other text for today from 1 Corinthians is one of those biblical passages that we can easily think to death if we're not careful. On the face of it, even as I was reading it, it seems as though Paul is saying that we shouldn't trouble ourselves with marriage or mourning or rejoicing or even going to the store. Don't waste time with all of this, Paul seems to say, because the present form of this world is passing away. It's quite an edict. But context is important. It's always important when we're looking at Scripture and and we need to remember that when Paul was writing these words, there was a belief that the return of Christ was imminent. So Paul did indeed believe that time was short, that his return would happen in a matter of weeks, even days. And truly, 
even though we still wait for that day and hour to come. As we hear throughout Scripture, there is great wisdom in being ready. But all that said, I do not think that Paul is telling us not to be married, or to weep, or to laugh, or to live in the interim. Rather, he's telling us that because Christ is coming, perhaps even at this hour, we need to focus on that which is the most important thing of all, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Putting our whole trust, not simply selected portions of that trust, in that which is rock solid and infinitely loving. What's true, you know, is that whether we worship together at church or whether we are, continue to be together here online, is that each one of us are coming here each week bringing our most fervent hopes for a better life, a better world, and for blessing in times of joy and in times of struggle, of which there has certainly been both these days. There's also an awareness as we come together I believe anyway, that those hopes aren't fulfilled by virtue of some halfway, half-hearted prayer of petition, but rather they arise out of hearts wholly given unto God. And I know, I know, this does not mean that you and I will not sometimes get lost in the pressures, the attractions, and the problems of the world. And and it doesn't mean that we will not find ourselves tempted from time to time to chase after the quick fixes that the world always seems to set before us. But the point is, if we will seek with our whole heart to find our way in this life while at the same time clinging to the rock of our refuge and our salvation, we are bound to find the pathway to our greatest hope. And we will find in that our heart's desire. So how, what shall we do with this? How do we react? Let us allow our prayer and our testimony this day and every day to be unto God. For God alone, my soul, waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Thanks be to God who is and shall ever be our mighty rock. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, For God Alone Our Soul Waits. It was recorded as part of our January the 24th online service of worship at East Church. By the way, we gather for those online services each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and we'd like to invite you to join us there. You can do so by logging on to Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. In these continuing days of pandemic, these services have proven to be, well, the next best thing to being there, and we'd love to have you there with us. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love and Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening today, and I thank you once again for your continued support of this podcast. And in that regard, 
I'd love to hear from you about this podcast or anything else on your mind. You can do that by pressing the message button on the podcast page online or by contacting us directly through the Love to Tell the Story Facebook page. Either way, I hope you'll keep in touch. So until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.